Welcome to the Brentwood Church Audio Podcast. As always, you can jump on over to brentwoodchurch.org or your favorite social outlet where you can find Brentwood Church and see what God is doing in this community. Now let's take a listen to this week's teaching. Turn with me to John chapter 16. We close a series today called Squeezed, When Life Gives You Lemons, as the cliche goes. How do you allow God and participate with God and his Holy Spirit in you and his word on the page of the scriptures and his community, the church? How do you allow that combination of things to turn those lemons, those sour things in life into lemonade, something that is useful, something that is powerful to thrive in. Well, that's what we've been looking at for the last now four weeks. And so we're going to jump into John chapter 16 to look a little bit more about what the Bible says about struggle, about trials, about hardship, about adversity, about failure. Of course, none of the people here in this room have experienced any of that But this is a great message for us to just endure through so we can give it to a friend who has experienced those kinds of things, right? Okay, that's sarcasm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, My nine-year-old son, Chase, came to me recently, actually last week, and uh, he said, Dad, I got something awesome to tell you. I was like, what's up, man? Tell me. Can't wait to hear it. He says, "Uh, I was washing my foot in the shower. So already you know. It's like... First, for a nine-year-old boy to take a shower voluntarily, there's already a win in the house right there, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So he's washing his foot in the shower. He kind of had this flamingo pose going on, and he slips and falls. He falls back, hits his head in the bathtub. He's okay. He didn't fall unconscious or anything like that. Uh, But it was just a very traumatic moment for him, and he's telling me about it. I was like, oh, man. I tried to empathize with him. He's like, oh, man. He's like, you know, he didn't want me to feel sorry for him. He's like, that's not the point, Dad. That's kind of what he said in his nine-year-old voice. You know, I was like, hey, this is, I don't feel sorry for you. I got a point here. I was like, okay, well, what's up? He's like, my teacher told me that whenever I get hurt, I can think about something that brings me courage and brings me comfort. I was like, awesome, cool. He's like, so, you know, you can think about, you know, mom and dad. He goes, sometimes when I get hurt, I think about you guys, and that brings me courage and I'm comfort. I was like, oh, man, come, come here, man. Love you. So we're having this moment here, and he's, and he, and he's kind of like, but I'm not done. You know, he kind of gives me that indication in a nine-year-old vernacular. He's like, so dad, so he's going to impart wisdom to me. He's like, he couldn't wait to tell me the story about him falling in the bathtub uh, so he could tell me the story and he could give me some advice. I was like, okay, well, what's that? He's like, dad, you know, whenever you get hurt, you can think about Jesus and Jesus will give you comfort and Jesus will give you courage. I was like, who is this kid? Like, what has happened to my home? My kid's prophesying to me, you know? I mean, you know, he just, you know, lied about something and now he's prophesying. He's like, the worlds are colliding. I tell you that because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, that's cute, that's wonderful. Yeah, my kid did something like that too. And then he joined a biker gang and that's, you know, this is it. But, but seriously, some of you are thinking, oh, that's cute, and, and that's true, and you believe that intellectually because maybe you've grown up in church, and you've read the Bible, and you've prayed. I understand not everybody here today um, has, has done that. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're even a little resistant to church and a little bit resistant to what's going on here, and that's okay. We want this to be a place for you to wonder and for you to question. Uh, but, 
for those of you who grew up in church, you're thinking, that's a little bit childish and that's a little bit churchy. Even though I know that it's true, I really don't practice that kind of truth. I really don't, when I get hurt in life, turn my faith towards Christ and find peace in that. I don't find comfort. I don't find courage. I know that I should. I get that. And I sing the songs about it. And there's a part of me that believes it. But honestly, John, if I'm honest, I usually default to my typical human responses when I hit the wall in life, when I fail, when I experience struggle, when I experience trial. And what are those? I want to look at two of them before we look at the third way. One of them is panic. How many of us have just flipped out when something went awry in our life? Yeah, we know what the Bible says, you know, Romans 8, 28, we know that, we quote it, and people quote it to us, but honestly, we don't practice that. We flip out, we freak out. Oh, God, what's going to happen? It's never going to be the same again. We're never going to get through this. I can't believe we're out of control. I don't know what to do. We flip out. No matter how mature we seem to be in our faith, when it really gets down to it and something really difficult happens in our life, we don't practice peace. We practice panic instead, even though we are promised that that is our destiny and that is who we can be in Christ. Here's the, here's the challenge, though, with panic, is that it's rooted in fear. And what the Bible tells us ongoing is that fear, where that exists in the human heart and the human conscience, love cannot. You see, if we're always afraid, then we can't love people. We can't love the most intimate relationships in our life because we're afraid. You know, if I love this way, maybe they'll take advantage of it. If I love this way and I put myself out there, then, then maybe I'll get hurt. And, and, and so we're just constantly afraid. And so we can't love vulnerably. And then when struggle and trial comes, we panic. We flip out, not just for ourselves, but other people. But we waste energy. We waste faith. We waste opportunities to influence people because we're panicking. Now, I'm telling you that because I've done that. I've gone through big struggles in my life, and my first response was not peace. It was panic. <laughs> what am I going to do? The other thing is pouting. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you, you've done this before. You go right to the corner of self-pity. You know, you, 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 the trial comes. God, I don't know why you'd let this happen to me. I've never sinned so bad that I would deserve this kind of trial. God, I, I just, I give up on you because you're giving up on me. Woe is me. And, and, and the deal with this is, you know, pouting, and we do this sometimes, it's just rooted in pride. Somehow, some way, we have figured out a way that we morally or we behaviorally don't deserve the, the, the consequences of life in a broken world or the choices that we've made that are outside of God's will and wisdom. And so we pout. And that might be where some of you are today. But I'm gonna tell you, that's a very easy default for me. You know, running along, 
you know, reading the Bible, praying, praying audacious prayers, helping people get, you know, to the next place in their faith, you know, doing that thing. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, you're trying to mentor people and you're inviting people to church and you're leading a small group and you're serving in the church, I mean, all these things. And then all of a sudden you get the same cancer diagnosis that somebody who's far from God got. And you're starting to go, this doesn't add up, God. And we pout. We pout. Here's the problem with pouting. It's rooted in pride. Pride, typically, is, is what comes right before we do something to blow up our life. And we waste a lot of time and energy and self-pity instead of letting God leverage that for his glory and for influence in other people's lives. So when we go back to the nine-year-old who falls in the shower, we go, yeah, 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 I know if I fall down and I hurt myself and I get bruised, I should turn to Jesus because I would think of comfort and courage. But let me be just honest with you. That's not usually where I go. That's not where I go. And what we're going to see today is a third way, and that is peace. That Jesus promises us, and, and some of you are going to argue with me the whole time, and I get that because I, I, I do. I argue with this. No matter how tough or how heavy or how stretching the trial is, we are promised as followers of Jesus Christ that we can choose peace in any storm. Now, right now, some of you are like, you don't know the storm I've been through. I know that's what you're supposed to say, John, because you're, you're a pastor, and, you know, and, and I, I know that's what the Bible says, and I know that's what your nine-year-old says. But honestly, I, I just don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that when that happened, when my daughter got raped, that you're telling me that I can choose peace instead of panic, instead of pouting. I just don't believe. I don't believe, John, that when, when she gave me the divorce papers, that my default response was just peace. In fact, I think that's a little bit arrogant, John. In fact, I think that's a little bit naive. I mean, I'm gonna try to listen to you for the next 25 minutes, but honestly, I don't agree with it because you don't know the life that I've lived. And look, I get that. I get that. I, I not only own that T-shirt, but I own the manufacturing company that makes that T-shirt that says, I don't believe sometimes that my natural default as a mature Christ follower when struggle happens can be and should be peace. So together, as people who wrestle with that, let's enter into a journey that Christ takes his original team, his disciples on, to say, no matter what, you can choose peace in the struggle. And what a powerful way to bring home a four-part series on struggling. So Jesus is in the conversation, the last meal that he's having with his disciples before he experiences the biggest trial of his life. And really, he kind of gives his version of the 23rd Psalm. King David who wrote the 23rd Psalm, one of the most quoted Psalms in the world, Jesus kind of gives his version of that. 
to his disciples. Look what he says. He says, verse 32, you will leave me alone. You know, I talk about this, I kind of use this metaphor often as, you know, as the coach, Jesus says to the coach, can you imagine your coach calling you in, you know, at a critical point in the game and just saying, hey, I want to let you guys know um, when we get down and the score's down and it seems like all is lost, you guys are going to bolt. You're going to leave. You're going to abandon me. You're going to drop the ball. Now, go on out there and finish the game. It's like, okay. <laughs> but that's essentially what Jesus is predicting about his team. He's like, look, guys, before I can get to the truth that I want to get to that's going to change and rock your world, I just want you to know that you are going to leave me alone. Now, how many of you, and this is rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hand unless you really want to. How many of you have ever, when struggle and trial came, how many of you have felt absolutely alone? Like nobody was there for you. And, and, and I don't mean that people abandoned you volitionally. I don't mean that people just, just kind of you know, checked out and left you hanging on purpose. In fact, some of them were even present. Some of them even came over to the house. But you felt alone because they just couldn't identify fully with what it was that you were going through. You, 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 know, you're, you found out that, that, that your dad... Um, only has six weeks to live and, and the people came into your house and they're trying to give you those words of wisdom and those words of comfort, but they're just bouncing off and you feel alone. Now, mind you, there will be people like the disciples who bolt on you. Your mess is too big for them. They don't know what to say. It's uncomfortable. Oh, did you hear what happened? What should we do? I don't know. Let's just ignore them. Let me just say this. That is never a way to respond to someone close to you in a time of struggle. I know that sometimes it's hard and you feel like you're gonna say something awkward and stupid that's not going to carry the moment. And you know what? You're probably right. I do it all the time. You know, but you know what? Here's what people later on will say. You know when you said that? it really kind of bounced off. Or when you said that, it kind of ticked me off. Or when you said that, I really thought, this guy doesn't have a clue what he's saying. But you were there. You were there. And I, and I thank you for that. Here, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. Human relationships, and this is what Jesus is saying, they can only go so far. I mean, they cannot carry the full weight of your struggle. They are there for you, and we have the church for a reason, and God has given us the gift of this family for a reason, but these are human relationships that have never been designed or resourced to carry what only God himself can carry. And so what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, you feel alone sometimes. You feel alone because human relationships have a limitation, and they have a capacity. And even the ones that are there can only carry so much. 
I think some of you feel that way right now. You know, I mean, your friends just don't know what it's like to raise a kid with autism. They just don't. You know, they try. They try to empathize. They try to sympathize with you. And, and they give you books. And they do all, They just don't know, though. And you feel alone in that. You know, your married friends, they don't know what it's like to feel so alone, unmarried. You know, they try to set you up, you know, with, with their cousin. You know, hey, you really like my cousin. You know, he's kind of weird like you. You know, yeah, it's like, thank you, thank you. Let me pray for you, man. Let me pray that you won't be so weird and creepy and nobody will want to date you. <laughs> okay, and that's just human relationships. They just, they, can, they try. We try, don't we? And there's a reason for that because human relationships can only go so far. Your family doesn't know how to deal with the diagnosis. And, you know, your parents don't know how to deal with your divorce. We've never had a divorce in our family. I just, we just don't know what to do. Can't you guys work it out? Yeah, I'm trying to, but he doesn't want to. He's gone. Maybe you started using again, you know? And, and all the people who, who've been there patiently helping you get to rehab and treatment, who've, who've given you money and given you, I mean, just let you come crash on their couch, they're done with you. They're done with you. And they know you're using again. You know, your wife knows you're looking at porn again. She knows it. They know that you're, you're sniffing, that, that you're shooting, that you're smoking again, whatever it is. And they're done trying to fix you. And you feel today the vacuum of that. You feel alone. And you don't even know why you came to church today. Because you are numb. And you feel alone. And here's what Jesus is showing us is, hey, I'm going to take on the full experience of a human being in a broken world. And I'm going to feel what so many of you and me feel, and that is alone in the suffering. Why do we have to feel that? Because of this next verse. Yet I am not alone. Ooh, I like that. For my Father is with me. Jesus points out once again the Trinity relationship. For those of you who are new to church, the Bible shows us that God is three in one. He's one God, but three roles, three responsibilities. Father, Son, the divine Son who became the human Jesus, and Spirit. And what Jesus is pointing to here is he's saying, I am the son of God who is the human Jesus in that form. And although I feel alone because human relationships are going to abandon me or they're not going to measure up, I know that I am not alone because my father is here. You see the design of that? Human relationships can and should never carry the full weight of our suffering. 
Because if they could, why would we need our Father? And what Jesus says is, oh, I am not alone, and neither are you in the struggle. Your Father is very much present in this moment. Your Father is here. And I think some of you need to hear that. That you are his child. And you don't feel like that right now. Because of your sin. You don't feel like that right now because of your failure. You don't feel that right, right, right now because you have blown it again. And yet, you didn't go to the lake this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. And yet, you didn't sleep in this morning, even though you had a crazy weekend and you're exhausted. You showed up here in this assembly and all of a sudden, you're being reminded all over again that even in your failure, even in your struggle, even in you and the stupid decisions that you've made to hurt so many people and yourself, that God is saying, I am with you. I am right here. Those of you who are parents know what I'm talking about. Because you know what it's like to come home. And one of your kids has blown something up. Broken it. You know what it's like. And yeah, you're a little upset. Or a lot upset. You know, why did you... Why did you shave your brother's head? Why would you feel like you could do that? I don't know. We were bored. My dad, my dad tells a story how uh, he had a dog that had puppies. And the mom or the dad was a boxer. And he thought it would be cool to just cut their tails off so he got some scissors and he cut their tails off and they bled all over the kitchen he runs over gets the neighbor ah, freaks out yeah this is what happens when you leave your kids alone at home sometimes they cut the tails off of boxer puppies and you walk in and you're like what in the world what, are you, what were you thinking? And you know what? Our Heavenly Father is the same way. What, why, would you just, why would you just cuss that person out? Why would you do that? Why would you just spend that money and, and know that you don't have it? Why, why would you just say that to your wife? Why would you just... And, you just, and, ah, and yet he says, but I'm here. Come on. Come on, come here. I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to let you feel the squeeze of this right now. I love you so much that I'm going to let you feel alone from all these other human relationships in your life right now so that you can feel my presence. David said this, a guy who blew his life up so many times, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, Psalm 23, 4, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You're with me. You are with me. Man, what would happen if a bunch of 
Christians who sometimes feel like they're going through the motions of their faith. And instead of defaulting to peace in the times of struggle, they default to panic and pouting. What would happen if they just remembered that? I am with you. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that, love that imagery of a shepherd father. You know, hey, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. No, no, don't, don't bite him. Don't bite him. He's your brother. You don't do that. Hey, 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 no, no, don't, don't jump off that cliff. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sometimes, you know, just a little tap with the rod. Ow. Yeah, it's okay, I love you. I'm with you. Some of you have just gotten through a season like that. You go through a season like that because God is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He loves you. He loves you so much that even in your failure and even in the struggle, he brought you here today to hear all over again for the first time or for the next time, I am with you. I'm with you. And that's what Jesus says next. Look what he says. Verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have panic. Right? Did you read that? Is that in your version? Or some of your versions might say this. I have told you these things that you are not alone and that the Father is with you so that you may have pouting sessions. I mean long, drawn out, self-pity moments where you're no good for you or anybody else. That's why I told you this. Bring it. And go to church and just sit there. Look at all the people raising their hands. Yeah, whatever. That's why I have told you these things. Is that in your version? You got that version? Oh, you don't? Oh, let me just see. I have told you these things so that you may have, say this with me, one, two, three, you may have peace. You may have peace. What does that mean? It means courage and hope. Courage and hope. You know, courage and hope, they're kind of pesky feelings. They're feelings. Yes, men, you can say that word. Here's why they're pesky. Because anger is very, like, you know it. It's like, I'm angry. I'm mad. Sad. You just know that you're sad. I'm sad. Glad. Ooh, I'm glad. Courage is one of those things, though, it's just kind of, it's kind of elusive. Like, you don't even know if you're feeling it sometimes. All of a sudden, you're, 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 you're snorkeling, and you're surrounded by great white sharks, and you're like, why do I feel so courageous right now? You don't know where it comes from. And hope, hope is going through the darkest valley or the darkest forest and not being able to see sometimes in front of your face, but seeing a pinprick of light off in the distance and knowing that if you keep persevering and you keep vigilance and you keep moving through those, that eventually it will open up and you will find the way home again. But sometimes it's just not so matter of fact as I am ticked. I am sad. I am glad. When somebody says they're hopeful, 
It just kind of sits there. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm just hopeful. Like, are you glad? No, I'm just hopeful. What does that mean? It means I just know light is coming. Mm. I am feeling encouraged. I feel courage filled. Well, what does that mean? It means I am scared, but I know that my faith will endure past this. That is a little shepherd boy anointed to be king facing a giant and saying in his face, the Lord God will give me this battle. Sometimes you just need to proclaim that even though you don't feel that. That's what courage is. It's not the absence of fear necessarily. It's the presence of a faith that is so much greater than fear that it begins to wander away and scare away the fear. Man, you ever been in that moment? I've been in that moment before. I've been in that heart's beating like... (laughs) I knew that I needed to go stand in the gap for somebody. I knew that I needed to go confront a situation. I, need, I knew that there was a moment where I had to step into the arena and rise to the occasion. And there was a part of me that said, no way. And yet, there was this thing that came over me that said, go. That's the peace that Jesus is talking about. You know, and what's so crazy about that kind of peace is it's not like the tranquility of sitting on a, on a beach somewhere where you're complacent and nothing exciting or terrifying is happening around you. It's the kind of peace that when everything's falling apart and everything is blowing up and everything wants to destroy you, you stand there firm. In fact, look what Jesus says next. He reminds us, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, why would you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this with Paul a couple weeks ago. You're, people are, you're gonna die someday, and you're gonna get sick along the way, and you're gonna trip, and you're gonna fall, and, and, and you're gonna fail, and you're, you, you live in a broken world. There's trouble. Look what he says, though. But take heart. I mean, here's where we start to answer it. So what if I don't feel it, John? I know you say don't choose this, but choose peace. What if I don't feel it? Take heart. What does that mean? It means a bold response. It means to choose a bold response. Jesus says to his disciples, come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen, you're going to feel alone sometimes, but you're not alone. Your father is with you. You live in a crazy messed up world that God is trying to redeem and fix. And you know what? All along the way, you're going to get sick and you're going to get hurt and people are going to throw things at you. But here's what you got to do. Choose peace. Choose peace in me. Well, that's easy to say, Jesus. How in the world am I supposed to do that? Choose a bold response. It's not passive. It's bold. It's, it's stepping into the arena and saying, trial, struggle, loss, failure, I see you. And I know what you want to say to me. Go pout in the corner. Go freak out. But I choose peace. I choose 
to believe that even though I am in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. You are with me. That is a choice. That is a choice. It's like choosing to love your wife when she is so wrong. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this woman is crazy. Like, I can tell her five different ways that she's wrong right now. But I choose to love her. I choose. You are my queen. You are my best friend. You are the apple of my eye. I choose that even though right now you are crazy. Yeah. Somebody just got free. It's a choice. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. And that's why he has to tell them, look, without the Holy Spirit, you're going you're gonna to abandon me. But he's coming. And when he comes, man, you will stand on you will stand on the rock and you will proclaim the good news. You will, in the face of torture, in the face of trial, you will endure, you will persevere. Take heart. I love that. And then look what he says. He says, I have overcome the world. It's like, if you get in a place, in a tight spot, in a squeeze, just know this, I've overcome it. I've overcome it for you. Well, what about, okay, Jesus, what about betrayal and abandonment? Yeah, you know, I experienced that. You know what? I overcame it. I went to the cross anyway. In fact, not only that, but I forgave all those guys who did it. Overcome it. So you can too. Okay, yeah, but what about about suffering and sadness? Oh, yeah, I experienced that too. In fact, if you read John's gospel, it says that he wept. And the translation of that is a deep mourning. Yep. Suffered. I was sad. You know what, though? I overcame that, and so can you. Why? Because when you choose me, I bring the Father, and the Father brings peace, courage, and hope. Can't even explain it. Just choose it. What about sin and death? Yep. I took on the sins of all humankind, past, present, and future. Yours, the guy beside you, and the people outside. Mm-hmm. And death, died. Mm-hmm. Did that. Guess what? Overcame them both, and you can too. That is, that is our destiny. Can you imagine if we unleash those kinds of people on an unsuspecting Lynchburg? Just peace, peaceful people in Walmart. Man, we would, people would be just like, that Brentwood's a cult. I know it. All these peaceful people, there's something going on. They're drugging those people, I know. Singing those songs, those drums. Peace. You chose peace when everybody around you's flipping out. When everybody around you's pouting. You choose it boldly. Why? Because when you choose Jesus, you turn to him. Sounds cheesy and churchy, but it's true. 
Guess what? He brings the father. Hey, let me reintroduce you to him. He's here. What about my sin? Yep, he's here. What about, yep, yep, yep. And when you choose Jesus and he introduces you to the father, guess what the father says? I'm with you, come on. It's okay. Peace, courage and hope. Come on, let's get through this. Let's get through this. Let's get through this. I'm gonna ask the band to come right now. And we come to the end of this really with a time of response. You know, four weeks of talking about the squeeze of life and, man, struggle and loss and failure. And sometimes you just have to go, man, how do I respond to this right now? Because I know how I'm gonna respond to it tomorrow. How do I respond to this right now? And sometimes you just need to go public and you need to just go, hey, would you pray with me? You know, would you come? And, and just let the, the body of Christ, let those people who've maybe just come out of a time of suffering and loss and chose peace instead of panic, just come around you and say, man, let me help you. I know that you know I can't carry all this because I'm a fragile human being in the, same, in the same predicament you are. But you know what? I can carry what God will let me carry with you right now. And I can point you to the Father right now. And so, yeah, I got a witness right over there. And you today can choose to respond that way. Maybe you just need right now just to come on down here during this song and just say, God, I need, I need your spirit. I need your comfort right now. I need your courage. And I need your church right now. And I loved it. I, I love in the first service. You know, there was a little, little fear, a little trepidation, a little, you know, first couple verses of the song. Finally, somebody came down. That's all it took. Yeah, man, carry this with me. Carry this with me. And that's, that's what we want our culture to be. So today, if you've come to, to the end of this series and you thought, man, these are a lot of great truths from the Bible that God's given, but I just need, I need to respond and ask this church to pray with me. The culture of our church is if a woman comes down here, three or four women who don't even know her maybe, come down and just pray with her. Same thing with a man. If a man comes down, if a couple comes down, just you guys just, just come out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about inconveniencing the person beside you. They don't care. They'd rather you carry and be obedient to that than anything else. And so as we, as we sing this song, as we reflect, be obedient to respond if you need to. And then let's sing and let's celebrate the peace that we have in Christ. And then let's go change the world with this peace.